So today we're looking at Zephaniah, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Again, minor prophet just means, it doesn't mean that they're unimportant. It just means that their books are smaller, shorter than the major prophets. Major prophets were like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Minor prophets are guys like Micah and Haggai, which we've already covered. And today we're covering Zephaniah. And uh, before we get into the message today, if you've got a Bible... By the way, in my Bible, I actually have these little, I call them cheater tabs. I don't know if you can see these. These, these are so nice for the minor prophets because, you know, I know how to find some books of the Bible, but when it comes to Zephaniah, I'm like, okay, let me use these cheater tabs. I'm like, oh, there it is, Zephaniah. So in my Bible, it's right around there. So I don't know if you want to try If your Bible is the same as mine, then, then you can find it just by estimating. It's, it's toward the end of the Old Testament. And before we get into it, again, you can pull it up on your, on your app, on your phone, or in a, if you have a Bible. Again, if you don't have a Bible here, that's fine, because we'll have some of the scripture on the screen behind me. But I want to just talk about something called street creep. How many of you have ever heard of this thing called street creep? I'd never heard of it before. Nobody. Okay, good, because it doesn't happen here. One, it doesn't happen here in Utah. Thank God. Street creep is something that happens apparently in the Midwest, and, and what happens is some soil in the Midwest is unstable. And so when you build a neighborhood on this soil and you build your houses on the soil and you do all the things that you're supposed to do when you, when you lay a foundation, you build your house. But what happens with street creep is over time, the, the ground moves and the, the ground under the street begins to creep toward the houses. And then so then, then it pushes the, the driveway And now the ground under the driveway begins to creep toward your house. And pretty soon, all of that pressure starts to mess with the foundation of your house. So that, such that you actually can't even live in the house anymore. And this, this sounds horrible, by the way. And it's not really something, obviously, they knew it was going to happen when they started building in that neighborhood. But Pastor Dave, one of our pastors, his, I think he said his mother had a home like that, lived in a home like that. And it just totally ruined their home. Couldn't even live in it. And I bring that up, I think that's a great word picture for what Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah, is talking about in his letter to the people. Remember, the prophets were, they weren't prophets in the sense that sometimes we think of prophecy, like I'm going to foretell the future. I'm going to tell you, like right now, I think there's someone in here that is going to drive away about 30 minutes from now from this location. I just sense it. Right now, that some, maybe even most of you are going to drive away from here. Like I'm prophesying, that's pretty obvious. I, hold on, I'm getting another one. Somebody, some families here are actually going to eat a meal after church today. And so I am a prophet, right? Because I'm predicting the future. That's not what, that's not what prophecy is about. Um, prophecy in the Old Testament was more about speaking for God to the people who had forgotten about God's ways. So a prophet in the Old Testament didn't just predict the future. A prophet in the Old Testament spoke to, to the people on behalf of God because they were messing up, usually, because they were, they were wandering from God. And by the way, one of the reasons that we don't have prophets like that today is because we have the Word of God. And so the Word of God speaks for us. It doesn't mean that Pastor Eric or the pastors that come and teach here, that doesn't mean that that you shouldn't listen to what they're saying, because sometimes we are speaking out and calling you back to God. In fact, today is one of those messages. I think today is a message where I'm going to be um, trying to relate to you what the message 
to the people was thousands of years ago through Zephaniah because there's a lot of that that is still going to apply to our lives today. And what Zephaniah was talking about was street creep. What he was saying is that there was, there was this creep going on in, in, their, in their hearts, in their homes, in their minds, in their lives, where slowly the things of the world were creeping into their life and it was going to destroy their life. And it was going to destroy their family. And it was going to destroy their nation. Does that sound familiar to anyone today? I think we've had a lot of street creep in our families, in our lives. And so I, what I love about this is that, that God is speaking through Zephaniah a message that's over 2,500 years old, but it still can apply to us today. As I read some of these passages today, I just want you to marvel at the fact that this is God speaking thousands of years ago, and yet it is still so relevant. And I pray that your hearts would be open to hear what God wants to say to you today. And the title today is When God Gets Replaced, because it's true that God can get replaced in our lives just as he was replaced in the lives of the people back then. I want to start by just reading the opening verses of Zephaniah, because this guy comes out swinging, and it's only three chapters. This is one of those books of the Old Testament that's really easy to read. And we're going to cover a bunch of these verses. But it starts like this, verse, chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Zephaniah when Josiah, son of Ammon, was king of Judah. And here's the message, quote. This is from God. This is God speaking through his prophet Zephaniah. He says, I will sweep away everything. Sound familiar? I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will sweep away people and animals alike. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea. I will reduce the wicked to heaps of rubble. I will wipe humanity from the face of the earth. Wow. That reminds me of every once in a while on a Saturday when my kids were little, we'd wake up and we'd start making pancakes, which was our Saturday morning tradition. And I'd be flipping the pancakes, and I could just tell the kind of a day it was going to be by how the kids were at each other's throats already over, over the pancake table. And every once in a while, I'd have to just stop flipping pancakes, and I'd say, kids, is this going to have to be a spank Saturday? <laughs> now, I know. I, I don't want to talk too much about spanking, but I'm just saying that every once in a while, there would be a Saturday where I'm like, this is just going to be one of those days, right? And I think that's how this letter starts off. Zephaniah is saying, I, this is going to be a spank Saturday. I am going to sweep you away. I am so sick of you people and all of the idolatry that you have in your lives. And we're going to have to have a come to Jesus talk today. Maybe some of you have had to have one of those with Pastor Eric where he reached out to you and he says, hey, could we meet for coffee? And you're like, oh, what did I do this time, you know? And really the thing is in their lives is God was getting replaced. And God hates it when he gets replaced. So let's talk through these passages today because we're talking about a spiritual slide. The first point is this, how a spiritual side slide begins. It begins when idols replace God. We're going to see the progression of this street creep. We're going to see the progression of this spiritual slide that can happen in our lives. We're going to see how it happened in Zephaniah's day. And then we're going to pause. Instead of pointing fingers at Zephaniah, we're going to pause and we're going to think about it in our own lives. Am I letting this happen in my life? Am I letting this happen in my marriage? Am I letting this happen in my spiritual relationship with God? Am I letting this happen in my relationship with my kids? 
Young people, am I letting this happen in my relationship with my parents? Am I letting something creep in? And the slide begins when we, when we replace God with idols. And I know some of you are going to say, wait a second, we don't, we, it's 2019, is that right? Are we in 2019? It's 2019. Yeah, how, what, I, this, I'm very, obviously it's slipping in my own, there's some street creep going on in my brain. It's 2019. We don't have idols? That was something back in the Old Testament. Yeah, that was something in that one episode of the Brady Bunch, you know? Nobody? <laughs> Nothing. Thank you. We got a few people, you know? We don't have, you know, we think of idols as these little wooden things or, or these stone things. I'm like, we don't do idols. Like, we're so far past that. We're way more advanced. We wouldn't, we wouldn't worship an idol. In fact, maybe sometimes you read some of the Old Testament and you're like, these morons. I can't believe how dumb these people were. Don't they know that, a, that praying to something made out of wood won't do anything for you? Don't they, don't they know that, that, that figurines made out of rock are powerless? How dumb are these people? And I think these people would look at us today and say, what morons? Don't these people know that it's not worth idolizing your work? Don't they know that 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 sports team is not a god? Don't they know that those TV shows have no power? Don't they know that those friends that they're running with, young people, don't they know that those friends that they're running with are, are not good for them? They're, they're treating them like God. They're listening to them like, like their, their words are from God, like, like their opinions and their suggestions and their ideas are worth following like God's ideas are worth following. What morons, I think they would say about our culture. Yeah, we laugh at them for their stone and their wood, but they laugh at us for our Netflix. That's what I think. Because I think sometimes the longer you're in something, the, the more immune you become to how foolish it really is. And some of you, I, I think some of you, God is going to be speaking to you about some of your habits, some of, some of the idols that you've placed in your life. Because an idol is just simply this. Don't think of it as made of wood or stone. An idol is just something that takes the place of God in your life. That's all it is. An idol is just something that, that in your life, you know, especially when we start off with God, God is at the top and we get so excited about God. But over time, the idol creeps up the list in our life. And it might be a relationship. It might be a possession. It might be your car. It might be your house. It might be the neighborhood. It might be your identity. It might be, it might be your reputation. It might be your kids. It doesn't even have to be a bad thing. And I, wood and stone aren't bad. God made wood and stone. It's when, it's when we put them in the place that they're not supposed to be, when we begin to elevate them over God. And so we all have idols in our lives. Everyone does. And so a spiritual slide begins when idols replace God. That's what happens. And so let's take a look at how this was working in Zephaniah. Chapter 1, verse 4. It says, I will crush Judah and Jerusalem with my fist and destroy every last trace of their Baal worship. Okay, Baal, real quick. Baal was one of the pagan gods. It was one of their idols. And Baal was a, was a sexual idol. Baal was the, uh, was the god of fertility. And what God was saying here is, I see what you're doing with that fertility god. I'm not going to get into details because this is church. And there are kids here. But suffice it to say that Baal worship was disgusting. 
perversions, sexual perversions, sexual acts that were disgusting and embarrassing. And we wouldn't even have on Netflix today. That's how bad those things were. And they were idolizing this stuff. And God was saying, I'm going to destroy every last trace of Baal worship. So today, I think Baal worship is about sexual perversion. Baal worship is probably equated today with pornography, let's say. Or with cheating on your spouse. Or young people with living this hookup, buying into this hookup culture that we have. It's just idolatry. It's sexual idolatry. It's, it's our version of Baal today. Some of you, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about that. And God is speaking to you today. Stop. You're sliding away from me. And if you don't stop, then he says, I'll put an end to all the idolatrous priests so that even the memory of them will disappear. He says, for they go up to their roofs and bow down to the sun and the moon and the stars and they claim to follow the Lord. But then they worship Molech too. And Molech, Molech was the God that they would sacrifice their children to. Could you imagine that? That you, you believe in this God, you be, you've bought into this lie of Molech so much that you would sacrifice your children to this God. Now this is, I can't even put my mind, wrap my mind around this. Like, how would you possibly give up your children, let your children die on an altar, burn up on an altar, thinking that somehow you're going to appease the God, this false God, Molech? And I think, is there, is there any equivalence in our culture of sacrificing our children? And then I started thinking about sometimes people's careers. But that's exactly what happens, isn't it? Some people are so into their career They're so into their lifestyle. They're so into their materialism, the stuff that they want, that they're just so focused on that thing. It's not that they hate their kids. It's not that they want to sacrifice their kids. They're not thinking about it that way. It's just once they get older and they look back and they see what they did to their kids because they didn't love their kids and parent their kids and disciple their kids, they they were too busy chasing their career. That's just one example. Maybe the Holy Spirit is giving another, giving another example. I think for some people, even some of the friends that I've had over the years, it break, breaks my heart to see that they cheat on their spouse, and they're not just cheating on their spouse, they're cheating on their kids. And they, they, they chase after sin for a season. They chase after this next relationship. And everyone else in their life who loves them and cares about them and knows that God wants to be honored by their choices and it's not happening right now, they call out to them, stop, please think. Think about what you're doing. You're giving up all of this. I know what you're chasing. I know that it's this shiny new object. But just stop and think about it. And they just can't help themselves. And again, I think the people back in Zephaniah's day would say, moron, don't you see what's going to happen? I know for sure God says that. Because he sees the beginning and the end. We don't always see the beginning and the end. Sometimes we just see the, the first part and we chase after these things. And we don't realize that we're sacrificing our children. We, we're sacrificing our families to this idol of career or possessions or whatever. So yes, I think Baal and Molech still exist today. They're just taking on different forms. But spiritual slide begins when you start elevating idols in your life and pretty soon and it's it it's creep it's not it's not sudden satan doesn't work like that it's not sudden usually it's just this slow burn 
And pretty soon you're letting this thing in your life and it's overtaking your life. And then as the progression continues, we move on to this point that spiritual slide advances when we live like spiritual atheists. Now, I know that sounds really weird. You're like, wait, so which one is it? Is is it spiritual or is it an atheist? Because we don't think of those things together. But a spiritual atheist is just someone who says that they're spiritual. They say that they believe in God but they actually live their lives like they don't. Another word for this is practical atheists. Some of you might have been here years ago when we did a series on being a practical atheist. You you say all the right stuff, but there's no evidence in your life that you really believe what you just said about God. And that was happening. It's not a new thing that was happening back then. It says in chapter 1, verse 6, Zephaniah, he says, I will, God says, I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now they don't anymore. They used to worship me, but they don't. He says, they don't even ask. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance or seek my blessings. And that's, that's how spiritual atheism works. And I, sadly, I've seen this in so many of my own friends They start off with such great intentions. They start off with such zeal and such fire for the Lord. But pretty soon, like those worship songs that we sang that were so awesome. Great job, Crystal, and your team. So awesome to sing these worship songs. But you know in the the Old Testament, God says this, I'm so sick of your worship songs because you, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Now, I don't think he's necessarily saying that to us. But some of you, maybe that's true of you, that that you worship God with your lips. You sing all these songs. But in your, but your heart, but like the reality of your life is just a show. It's just all on the outside. And do you see what's hap- what happens? The reason you get to that point, the reason that your spiritual slide advanced, is because you set up idols in your life. You you're actually elevating all these other things above God. But then you come to church on Sunday for an hour and you worship God and you do you go through the motions and you do all these things. But the reality is in your life. If, you were to, if your life was like a pie chart and it said, how much, how much time are you, how much are you really, like at, your, at the heart level, are you committed to God? The pie chart would just be this little sliver because everything else in your life points to you building your life and you doing your thing and you promoting your own agenda rather than God's agenda. And so I think it's good to look in the mirror and say, am I, am I a spiritual atheist? That's why... Eric and I believe so much in mentoring. Because when you have a mentor, I know, by the way, this campus does awesome with mentoring. You guys have a lot of people in mentoring relationships. So to all the mentors who are discipling people, keep it up. Great job. But for those of you who who maybe are sliding, one of the practical takeaways is use use your welcome card today or talk to Pastor Eric about getting connected to a mentor, someone who will walk with you. Because here's what a mentor does. A mentor is like, hey, bro, what are you doing? Why are you talking that way to your wife? Why are you meeting with that person? Why are you, you know, it's so a mentor is someone who walks with you through life and faith and helps, helps you to recognize when spiritual street creep is going on in your own life before it's too late. So if you don't have a mentor, I really encourage you to get one. I know that takes a little courage to step out and say, I want that. But a mentor, he's not a professional. She's not a professional. They're just like you. They're no better than you but they can walk with you and help you to be accountable to living your life in a way that honors God. And that's exactly what Zephaniah was calling for in the people. And we move on then to this next part of the progression. 
So spiritual slide begins with idols and then it advances when you live like an atheist and then finally spiritual slide destroys when we think that there are no consequences for our actions. The truth is, just like with parents, I can't, Tracy and I can't make decisions for our kids. But, what, but part of our job as parents and as leaders for them is to, is to give them choices and make sure that they understand the consequences of their choices, good and bad. So young people, I want you to hear this. Your parents can't make decisions for you, but they can make decisions about the consequences for your decisions. Or let's say it another way. I can't make choices for you, or let me say it like this. You can't, you can, you're free to make choices, but you are not free to choose your consequences. Everyone is free to make choices, but no one is free to choose their own consequences. If you, if you walked down to Brigham City and started you know, robbing some of the storefronts in Brigham City, you can do that if you want. It's a free country until it's not free for you anymore because when you get caught, you're going to get thrown in jail. You can, you're free to make your choices, but you're not, you're not free to choose your consequences. And I think that the spiritual slide really starts to take its toll in our life when we think, when we, when we lie to ourselves, when we tell ourselves, there's no, there's no consequence for this. Look, I've been getting away with this for years, my porn habit. I've been getting away with, with getting on Facebook with an old girlfriend. I've been getting away with that for years. There's no consequences for that. And so the, the creep happens when you, when you lie to yourself and you say, this is great, and it is great, until it isn't anymore. Someone once said, if you're not having fun when you're sinning, then you're not doing it right. I'll let that, that's tweetable. I'll, I'll let you guys tweet that real quick. But if you're, not fun, if you're not having fun when you're sinning, then you're not doing it right. But the problem is it'll always, it'll always catch up to you. Always. And that's what was happening now in these passages as we, as we move on. It says this in Zephaniah 1 verse 12. God says this. Oh, this is so scary. I will search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to punish those who sit complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. Oh, that just makes me shudder to read those verses. Because sin loves the shadows. Sin loves the dark corners of society and of our life. And God is just saying this. He's not trying to be mean. I hope you understand. He's not trying to be mean. He's a loving father who just wants to help his kids open their eyes before it's too late. And he says, I will search with lanterns to punish those who sit complacent in their sins. And by the way, like we talked about last week in Micah, punishment is different than condemnation and judgment. God isn't saying here, I'm going to punish them and destroy them completely. He says, I'm going to punish them because if you're a loving father, those who love their kids punish their kids for their own good. In fact, it says in Proverbs, if you hate your kids, then you won't punish them. And that's so different than the way we say it in our culture today. But he says, punishment, is, punishment helps you to stay on the right track and make the right choices. I look back at my dad that he punished me, and I'm so grateful that he punished me when I was young. I'm so grateful that he didn't let me get away with whatever because that's just not how life works. So if he's not training me, the Bible says train up your children the way they should go. If he's not training me, then shame on him. But he did train me. He did punish me because he loved me. And as a result, I, I, 
I don't allow street creep in my life anymore because I was trained by his discipline. And this is what God is saying. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I remember when my dad said that, when he's about to give me a spank with that wooden paddle. I said, well, then here, I'll spank you. (laughs) That didn't work. But if you love your kids, you'll punish them for their own good. And, and this is what God is saying. I'm going to search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to punish those who sit complacent in their sins because I want them to learn. And the truth is, again, the, the lie is they think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. So the question for you is, have you bought into that lie that God doesn't care about your actions? Some of you have come to faith in Christ and we, we come to faith by placing, we, we come to Christ by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with what we can do, good or bad. It is 100% because of the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. But then we move on and we say, now as Christians, we live to honor God. So God does care about our lives. He does care about our choices. Some people live in this, this, this lie, this grace lie that says that because I'm saved by grace, God doesn't care what I do. And that's a lie. He does care what you do, good and bad. And he wants you from the inside out to live to honor God. And this is part of the message in Zephaniah. And I want to end this because I, you know, this is, this, is a, this is a good prophetic message here. This is the prophet just opening up a can on us all, right? And I want to end, though, on something, on, on a positive note, because almost always God's prophets ended up on a positive note. Generally speaking, when you read the prophets, major and minor prophets, it's, it goes something like this. Bless your heart, which is a Christian way of saying, what an idiot. Bless your heart, you're messing up. Okay? Here's how you're messing up, but usually at the end of each, of each letter it says, but I'm gracious and I will restore you and I don't want to destroy you forever. And that's exactly what he does here in Zephaniah. And so the last point that we're going to look at is that no matter how far we, sl- we slide, God always provides a way of escape. And I want you to know that we wanted to make sure to end on this point, A, because Zephaniah ends on this point, but B, because we don't want you to walk away from here with this legalistic perspective on who God is. God loves people. God is not this this cosmic killjoy just waiting for you to screw up so that, he can, so that he can punish you. That is not at all the God of the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament. That is not the God of, of Christianity. God is always providing a way of escape, and he does it even here in these closing verses in Zephaniah. Chapter 3, verse 9, he says this, and this is so good. This is the last chapter. He says, Then I will purify the lips of the peoples. So he's talking about this future day when, when the people stop sliding and they come back to God. He says, I'm going to purify the lips of the peoples that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. I love that. What a cool, Eric, what a cool vision that is of what God is doing here at Brigham City. It's so cool to see what, you know, this whole process of moving into this campus and into this building and just how so many of you have just been shoulder to shoulder with Eric and some of the other pastors and just like, we're in this together. God is doing this thing in our community. God, is, God, he loves to see God's people together, like working in harmony. He loves to see the families together. He loves to see parents loving their kids and disciplining their kids. And he loves to see the hearts of the kids 
respecting their parents. And he loves to see this, what I call shoulder-to-shoulder faith, not toe-to-toe. Toe-to-toe is when I get in your face and I'm like pointing my finger at you and doing this, right? Shoulder-to-shoulder is we're both together, we're looking outward, we're trying to work together and do something together for the good of God and for his glory and for his kingdom. And this is what Zephaniah is envisioning. He says, there's going to come a day when I'll purify the lips of the people, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder-to-shoulder. He says, those who are left will be, the, will be lowly and humble, for it is they who trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong. They will never tell lies or deceive one another. And he goes on and he says this, they will eat and sleep in safety and no one will make them afraid. They are called to sing and rejoice. And I love this. In fact, I encourage you to read, read through. It's pretty short, three chapters. But I encourage you, maybe today, now that you've heard this message, you've got some context, just on your own later today or this week, just read through Zephaniah and understand that how he's ending is he's talking about a day. I want you to hear this. He's talking about a day that is here now. Because what he was prophesying there when he said, I can't wait for this day when you're shoulder to shoulder and I'm going to purify your heart. Do you know what he's talking about? The cross. He was talking about the day hundreds of years later from Zephaniah, but 2,000 years in our past, when Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins so that our hearts could be purified because of his perfection, not because of our efforts. And his perfection purifies us. And then what happens is we can go shoulder to shoulder and we can eat and sleep in safety and we don't have to have fear and trembling of this judgmental, punishing God. But instead we could say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for my sins and you set me free, not because of my goodness, but because of your goodness. Not because of my choices, but because of your choices. Not because of my character, but because of your character. And that when we accept that message and when we start following that Jesus, he changes us from the inside out and we begin to do this shoulder-to-shoulder faith. And that's what we invite you to today. And if you're here and you say, I want that, I don't have that, I've never been a part of that, then we'd love to pray with you after the service today. If you're here today and you say, I think I've slid away from that. I've been a Christian for a while now. But I, I see now through the words of Zephaniah that I've had some of this street creep in my life. I've had this stuff creeping in on me and, I'm, and I can see where I'm heading and I want to stop now before it's too late. Praise God for his mercy that you heard this message today. And we would love to talk with you also because we want to if you're not connected with someone already, we want to connect you with someone. We want to pray with you. Yes, that's important, but we want to even go beyond that. We want to connect you with someone that can help you shoulder to shoulder to really begin to honor God with your life. Let's pray together.